Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hi, everyone. Catherine Avery, productivitybydesign.com, and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. So we've done a whole series on executive functions in the brain, focused primarily on using the book, Ari Tuckman's Understand Your Brain, Get More Done, which is a workbook that you can use to work through on figuring out your executive function stuff if you're an ADHD like me or if you have other executive function challenges. I've used this as like my Bible. I had it sitting on my shelf for years and then took a class recently called Coaching the ADHD Client, where we worked through the workbook during this six-week class. And it was phenomenal. So good. So I am really super excited to share more with you. So we did an episode in early October about the response inhibition, which is called the pausing. It starts with pausing in the episode name. So you can go back, look at that. And then in the next episode, we had a little break because Denzel Brown came on, was amazing, talking about ADHD in women and all kinds of new research coming out of a conference she attended with ICD. So you can check that. That's right after the pausing episode. And then the episode after that was all about strategies around using your working memory, your perspective memory, and how ADHDers understand time. And that episode starts with the word, the ADHD brain. So those are three great episodes in this whole series around ADHD and executive function. And this is the last of the lot. And then we have some amazing guests coming on for the rest of November. Fabulous guests. So Executive functions, just a quick overview in case this is your very first time listening to my podcast. I hate when people do a series and they don't kind of catch you up. Executive functions are located in the frontal lobe of your brain, the prefrontal cortex. They are the most developed and advanced section of your brain. Executive functions help you focus your attention, plan, prioritize, get and stay organized. They improve your memory, in my case, what memory? And they control your emotions. And emotions are really one of the newer scientific areas of research in ADHD, this whole idea of emotional dysregulation. So when we last left off, I had mentioned this in passing that we were going to be talking about emotions. So here we are, emotional self-control. I don't know about you. Bottom line, it's having your feelings without acting on them. (laughs) Good luck with that, Sister Mary. It's responding instead of reacting. And this is where that all-important pause comes in, right? So I talk all the time about the power in the pause. 
And the pause I'm usually talking about is like the pause that refreshes the one where when you're really frantic and you can't figure out how to get your taxes done, et cetera, that you take a walk outside in nature and unplug, which I call getting out of my brain and getting into my body. This pause is at least as important, probably more so. And it's because we fast brainers, and apparently today for me, fast talkers, we're flying down the TGV track, which in French is the très grande vitesse, which means the very high speed train. The ADHDers are intense, really intense. I know because I am one, a person who has ADHD. We feel all the feelings, our feels, feelings are really, really big and really intense. We show them right on our faces. We're lousy poker players, not so much in the poker playing department. Although I look back when I was in college and early 20s, and I used to join my dad's games of liars poker with a whole bunch of guys in Wall Street. And for whatever reason, I used to be really, really good at liars poker. You can look up what liars poker is. <laughs> Probably shouldn't admit this because it was it was gambling. And I was, I hopefully wasn't a minor. I think I was not at that point. But I think what was really going on was this young woman, and everybody just assumed I would never lie. <laughs> yeah, the 90s. That was a strange and wild time my Wall Street days. Anyway, back to the ADHD brain on emotion. So you could take all this emotional stuff with the ADHD, add in a layer of hypersensitivity, and all those years of being criticized for crap just because we have a differently wired brain. And it's just another day at the wild feelings three ring circus, right? You know what it's like a three ring circus. There's a lot of stuff going on all the time. So what does this pause do? It gives us a moment to reflect on how we want to respond. And if you're watching this on video or you're hearing it on the podcast, my cat has decided to join me behind me, squirrel. She's gone. That was distracting. So the pause gives us a moment to reflect on how we want to respond. So think about a toddler. Have you ever seen them throw a tantrum? They're all over the place, right? They have emotional outbursts. That's because that part of their brain just isn't developed yet. They are all up in their feelings. They have no sort of filter for their feelings because they haven't developed the uh, emotional inhibition they need in the prefrontal cortex. And as adults, we can get all wrapped up in our feelings too. Think about having a really bad breakup when you're, I don't know, in your early 20s. Tell me you were super focused at work because I'm pretty sure you weren't. You're probably sighing, thinking, what was me? Wondering if he or she would ever call again. What could I have done different? What they have done different? You know how it goes. That script is just playing in your head all day long because you're all caught up in the feelings of the bad breakup. It's your emotional amygdala driving the train. So the amygdala, remember, is on the back of your brain, right at the top of your brainstem. And the way the brain works is sort of the lizard feelings department, the thing that's just very, very reactive is at the brainstem base which means it's overriding what's happening in your prefrontal cortex. So like envision the physicalness of that, that what's going on is happening at the most basic primal level of our being. You know, that's why they call it a lizard brain. So the impulsivity of ADHD can mean things like we quit our job, we yell at our spouse, we yell at our boss, we say things we regret, we lose perspective completely. Like, You want perspective when I'm all up in my feelings? That's not going to happen. Perspective? We really struggle to get motivated. I know this sounds a little different, but now imagine those feelings that are kind of like, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting up off the couch. It's not going to happen. 
we need a lot of external motivation. Some folks are so sort of unmotivated that they can't even get up off the couch to take a shower. And that's a bummer. Luckily, I don't think I've ever had to worry about that. I have struggled in my past with anxiety and depression. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. I always just took a shower. That was me. So when you think about the ADHD, you know, emotional side of this, you can see why so many people are misdiagnosed with anxiety or depression or a whole host of other, you know, DSM gems. And the DSM is the psychiatric manual for the various conditions you can have. I want to be really clear. This doesn't mean that there aren't comorbidities with ADHD. P.S. I hate the word comorbidity because it has the word morbid in it. And I'm not going to die. I have no intention of dying. I don't plan on dying anytime soon. So I tend to say that they're concurrent. There can be concurrent issues such as anxiety, depression. But if we can treat the underlying ADHD at the same time as we're treating the anxiety and depression, we might just find that we're able to slow down the anxiety and depression or tamper it down or make it less, maybe even make it go away completely because we've dealt with the undiagnosed, untreated, underlying ADHD, say on five times fast. Why do I get all worked up about this? Because this was my personal experience. No one knew I had ADHD. It was, I went 55 years of my life not being diagnosed. I did have a lot of things I had put in place. I'd figured some things out and I was kind of guessing it like around the age of 50 when I went through chemo because I had a lot of chemo brain and I'm kind of like, yeah, I got some executive function issue going on here and I wasn't entirely sure what. So anyway, that was a whole hell of a lot of negative emotion, right? So let's focus on what you can do. So the first is to breathe, really. If you breathe slowly and focus on your breath, you can stop that amygdala engine right in its track, like 60 to zero in seconds. It's just amazing to me. Your breath is the pause. Can you kind of see that? Take a breath. Notice how you have to stop if you're really going to focus on breathing. We go through life and we're not paying any attention to our breathing. And yet it's fundamental right? So this is a super easy tool you can use anytime, anywhere, but it is that simple and it is that hard because trust me in the moment, if someone tells me to breathe or relax, they can expect an onslaught. I am not going to be happy camper. So how does one deal with this? Well, you're going to have to practice breathing when you're not wrapped up in your feelings. So great times to try mindfulness type breathing is when you're folding laundry or washing the dishes or doing anything that's not super requiring your brain or deep emotions. It's this little breathing exercise of just taking a couple of breaths fully and really staying present. It's like a super mini version of mindfulness. What's next? You're not going to like me when I tell you this. You've got to put yourself first. Your self-care is non-negotiable if you have ADHD. Sorry. You have to exercise, you have to eat right, you have to get a good night's sleep, try to reduce your stress, try not to overcommit on your calendar. My day yesterday was completely full and overcommitted it, and we had an emergency come up, and it wasn't pretty. I was canceling stuff left and right. I was incredibly unhappy about it. No one wanted to be around me. Who could blame them? We got through it. Today is much easier. Today would have been a lot better day for the emergency. This just sometimes happens in life and we have really super powered packed days and you've really got to try to see how you can pull a few things out of your calendar when you're overbooked. Because if you've got ADHD, you just cannot be overcommitted. It doesn't work. 
So let's imagine you're already in the blow up. You're already freaking out. One thing you can do is you can walk away. Not always the greatest strategy. Sometimes it's really hard to walk away. Sometimes you just got to walk away in your mind and think about, I don't know, baseball. But if you're in a safe situation where you feel you can walk away and take a few moments to gather your thoughts, I'm lucky that I can say to someone like, I got to step away for a minute. I'll be back in a few. Try to remember the big picture, right? Let's go back to that perspective. The other person may have a different perspective in you, and that is okay. In fact, while we're talking about this, we all need to stop the armchair warrior attack on each other on social media because it's like a societal problem in general, and I'm like over it. So step back, think about other people's perspective. They just think differently than you. Okay, enough on that because that's another podcast episode. Finally, you really want to learn how to give a really good apology. Take ownership of your behavior. What do you say? I'm sorry. That's it. There's no excuses. There's no, I'm sorry that you were upset with me. There's no, I'm sorry that you felt that way. It's just, I'm sorry and move on. Okay. That was a whole lot of emotion. So we're going to move on. I'm going to talk about the second one of the executive functions. So really at this point, we this is the fifth all in. You have to catch the other episode for the first three. This one is self-activation, which is about starting and then finishing. So self-activation is how we get ourselves going. The motivation word, right? This is that couch to 5K of the ADHD brain. So how can we be motivated? We can be intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated. And already I've lost you, right? Intrinsic motivation is internal motivation. It's what comes from within. It's self-generated. My only internal motivation is for things I really want to do right now, like eat a donut or a cookie. It happens to be lunchtime. (laughs) I'm going to need to eat a salad. (laughs) I don't know where we're getting the motivation for the salad part. Anyway, I get pumped up about certain things I love to do, like research or giving this podcast and spending time with people I really like and less pumped up about the other things I don't really want to do, which leads me to being extrinsically motivated. So external motivation comes from outside of us. Think about deadlines, other people, rewards, ouch, punishments, right? I set up an accountability group for my clients because I know how important accountability is as a support for people with ADHD. So much so that in my coach training, we call this one of our essential structures. Some of the ways that we can be held accountable. Well, I have a VA who I hired and told her specifically one of her primary jobs is she's to light a fire under my ass to get things done. Otherwise, I'm not going to meet deadlines. And when you're working for yourself, deadlines can be really fluid. So we got to create these deadlines and then we need people who can help us make sure we meet them. If you have a boss, your boss is telling you, I'm the boss. So, you know, I can be a little loosey-goosey on the deadline thing sometimes. We need lots of extra help to get boring tasks accomplished. These are things like paying bills, doing our taxes, doing the laundry. I hate doing the laundry. I don't really like paying bills and I don't really like doing taxes at all. We get mentally bored. So you've probably heard of burnout. Well, think of this as bore out, which I just learned about. I love that term, bore out. We procrastinate. We dread the task. Sometimes the time we waste agonizing over the dreaded task takes longer than the actual dang task. I'm true story. I can just tell you countless time that's been the case. And then what happens? Well, that emotional thing kicks in. We feel incompetent, ineffective, and irresponsible. So it's like this circular self-fulfilling prophecy. Yay, us. Holy triggered emotional dysregulation. 
So I think hopefully you're now seeing how all these different executive functions work together, right? The time, the memory, emotions, hindsight, and forethought, which is coming up, and self-activation. And there was one more that I missed, but that's okay. So what are some things you can do around self-activation? If you have a big task to do tomorrow morning, you can get set up the night before. Lay out whatever papers or tools you need to do that task. When you get up in the morning, it's easier. It's already laid out. You've got it on your desk. You're good to go. Set a timer. Can't tell you off, and I set timers. In the accountability group, I set a 15-minute timer. So what does that mean? It means whatever dreaded task we're doing, we know we only have to do it for 50 minutes. You can kind of do anything for 50 minutes. You really can't. Knowing your stopping point is very helpful when you're doing a task you don't like to do. (laughs) Beauty of the accountability group, I'll let you in on a little secret, is that I get as much done in the group as they do. I just love having the external motivation and accountability. Big project, break it down into smaller steps, calendar every single little step, get them on your schedule, and then focus on the rewards of a job well done. Celebrate when you finish even a baby step of your project. That celebration can be, you know, reading your favorite book for a chapter, taking a little walk, going for a manicure pedicure. Doesn't have to be super fancy. It could be making your favorite cup of tea or coffee. Always celebrate everything we need to give ourselves more grace and more celebration. If that's all still feeling like too much, just start anything, anywhere. Because once you have forward motion, you're like a rock rolling downhill. You'll be unstoppable. And by the way, no, that doesn't mean playing Candy Crush gets you your goal. Do something, anything that's helping you get towards your goal, even if it's not what might be the first on the to-do list. All right. I kind of mentioned hindsight and foresight and passing. Hindsight and forethought. Hindsight is when we look back at a past situation to help us make a good decision in the present. Forethought is when we envision a future situation and see the possible challenges and consequences. So the way to think of forethought is like athletes, when they're imagining their race and they're trying to see exactly how it would go, sort of similar. The goal is the same for both, with hindsight and forethought. We're trying to make the best possible decision with whatever information we have at hand. (laughs) So we talked about toddlers. Now we're going to talk about teenagers. I'm past toddlers, and I do have a teenager who fortunately makes pretty good decisions. So far, not good. So do you ever wonder why your teenager did or does really crazy things? And in fact, you were a teenager once, so you may have done really crazy things too. It's because their brains haven't finished developing their executive functions. And this is the area where we see it the most. They just don't have the hindsight and forethought to make good decisions. So you wonder why they think they're invincible? It's because they don't know any better. They're not being bad kids. They just need a lot of parameters from adults at the same time as they're needing to spread their wings. So it's quite a balance. And I'm, yeah, I'm living that life right now. So sometimes as grownups, we're still not so great at this. We're still not so great at making these decisions. We fly by the seat of our pants. We choose something so late that we no longer have great options. We end up hearing endless lectures about our lack of responsibility. And we make the same damn mistakes over and over again. Worst of all, we end up living in a state of constant chaotic stress. Feeling overwhelmed yet? Yeah. So let's go to the what we can do part, because this is way better. First, I live and die by my calendar. I don't ever say yes to something without checking my calendar first. It is so hugely important 
to make sure that you are not overscheduled. And the only way to do that is to schedule everything. And I mean everything. Like I schedule when I'm going to exercise. It's nuts. I schedule everything. We'll talk about some more of those. You want to schedule time for those onerous tasks. And maybe you want to rename them something really fun. So for example, when I have to pay bills, I set aside an hour, usually during power hour. And I think it's usually on Thursdays. And I call it Profit First after Mike Michalowicz's book name, Profit First. I like to think of it as money has been coming in, which allows me to pay those bills. So by calling it Profit First, I'm thinking about money in a really positive term. And it feels less yucky, like, oh, paying bills. I would look at that and be like, yeah, anything but that. Profit First, I'm like, hmm, yeah, I'm big on that. I'd like to be profiting. And there I am. So what's the bonus to this? Well, when we pay our bills on time, we don't suffer the ADHD. D, tax, known as late fee. Next step, again, around finances, have a budget. You know, not nearly as much fun, but it's a game changer. It really will help you pay attention to your finances and be sure that you're paying your bills uh, because you'll have money in the bank. Hooray. Don't commit to anything without checking your calendar first. I kind of alluded to this one. I book even the driving time around my appointments. I'm in Connecticut. Sometimes the traffic can be really bad. Uh, Another thing I do, it's a little crazy, is any doctor appointment, if it's at 11, I put it as 1045. That gives me the 15-minute cushion I need in case there's traffic. It gives me time to fill out any paperwork they might have. Recently, I ended up at a doctor's appointment 45 minutes early. (laughs) Not sure what the hell I was doing there, but I did. And it was pretty funny. But I'd rather be early than late. You know, we all live in a world where we have a phone. You can at least answer emails while you're waiting. Being late sometimes means a doctor cancels on you, and that's just really no fun. Create do lists for tasks that you do often. So the easiest way to think of this is like a packing list. I have a summer packing list and a winter packing list so that I have a good idea of what I need for any given trip. If you're someone who gives presentations, here's another example. You would write down exactly what you need to take each time. Special camera, your laptop, any cords. Presentation materials, maybe you're giving out a workbook, a pen. You get the idea. When you write down these lists, you just go to the list. You don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. I'm going to give you another great example of this. I think this is just brilliant. Peter Shankman, who's the author of Faster Than Normal and who has ADHD, has his closet divided into two types of clothes. Ones that he's going to wear on an everyday basis, and those are t-shirts and jeans. And then once he wears, when he's either on TV or presenting or meeting with an important client, that kind of deal. And they are these very nice tailored blue shirts, jeans, and a sports jacket. That's it. He's got two uniforms, right? And all he has to know when he walks into the closet in the morning, it's which type of day he's having today. What event does he have going on? If it's just he's doing his everyday work, t-shirt and jeans, he goes to that side of the closet. If it's going to be that he's going to be interviewed on TV later today, he's going to be hopping into that loose shirt with the jeans and a sports jacket. That's it. He knows everything in his closet matches on the given side, and he has taken a daily decision and completely simplified it. Your fast brain, your big brain doesn't need any more decisions in any given day. So anywhere you can simplify, and I've done a lot of this around meal planning, is a bonus to you because it takes the brain work out. Another thing you can do is if you're in a tricky situation and you're not sure how to handle it, you can talk it through with a trusted friend or advisor. They might think of things we don't. At work, you want to plan regular check-ins with your boss. I used to meet my boss briefly, five to 10 minutes, 
every single morning to make sure that our priorities were the same. Sometimes stuff changed overnight. Maybe he got a memo from someone above him and I didn't know about it. And now I'm off working on something that's not the right thing and we're scrambling at the last minute. No, thank you. Way easier just to have that early morning check-in. Like We'd grab our cups of coffee, sit down on the couch, have a quick chat about what today's priorities were. I had a pen and a pad. This was before cell phones. And that way I could go about my day knowing that I was working on exactly what my boss needed me to do. I still, in a way, do this. So I meet my VA once a week and we have a check-in. It's an hour long and we talk about all the things we're going to do this week. We videotape it so she has it. And sometimes when she has deeper questions, she'll ask me and I will literally list out. We also have to-doist where I prioritize. And I think their colors are like red, yellow, and blue. And so she knows if something's red, that's the most important thing that I need done. And she can communicate with me in the same way, right on the same project management software. I just said to-doist and didn't tell you it's a project management software that you can use for teams. There are dozens of them out there. The last thing, oops, second to last thing, last thing around work is to ask for feedback. You might hear something helpful. Go in it with an open mind. See what another person has to say. You don't like it? Discard it. Move on. Who's got time for crappy feedback? But if you get some good feedback, it's really worthwhile. I've certainly been able to get some wonderful feedback from folks where I there were things I just didn't know about. And that's part of that building those relationships with those trusted advisors. The last thing, really, truly this time, the last thing, book a date night. Now, if you don't have a partner, book a date night for yourself. Go do something really nice for yourself. But whatever you do, don't get so, so swept up in work and your endless to-do list that you forget your partner or yourself. Because here's the bottom line. The average person has 35 items on their to-do list. Your to-do list is rarely going to get shorter. I, maybe there's one or two people in the world who can manage their to-do list and keep it super short. You're going to pick two or three priorities. And those are the things you're going to get done. And you're going to give yourself a big old pat on the back because that to-do list, you're going to die with a to-do list. That's just how this goes. So here's the thing. You got to put time for you, time for your spouse, time for your children on that to-do list. Put it in your schedule, put it on your calendar and take that time. And that is how we're going to wrap up with the other pause. Remember, we started with the pause where we stop long enough to be able to respond instead of react. I'm going to end the session by talking about how you have that pause that refreshes. That's how you stay productive, by learning how to be intentionally unproductive. That's how you let your uh, executive functions work better because you give your freaking brain a break. Fast brain, big brain, it's tired. It needs a break. So Take that break, but be intentional about that break. Because if you're just sitting here because you're burned out and you're like playing some Candy Crush, that's a total waste of your time. Fun, don't get me wrong. But if you do something really amazing, like take a walk in a park or go to a movie or have a lovely dinner date out with your spouse, now you're being intentionally unproductive and that is so good for you. So powers in the pause. We're wrapping up an executive function. We have got some great guests coming on who are going to be talking on a variety of topics. I've already done some of the interviews. They're amazing. We are moving into the holiday season as this episode drops. Lord, help us. I am so not ready because that means winter, at least in Connecticut. And I'm going to be launching next week. I'm trying to figure out when this one drops. <laughs> it might, be the, might have already launched. Uncluttered Holidays, which is a terrific program. If you want 
to have a holiday season that's less stressful, that's uncluttered, that doesn't stress out your executive function, that doesn't feel overwhelming, check out Uncluttered Holidays. It is a really reasonably priced program. I've taught this several times over the last couple of years. I finally packaged it as a program so that people can buy it and DIY it at any time. It really has changed my life. When I got the cancer diagnosis, we knew that we could not do holidays the way we had in the past. And we had to let a lot of things go. And we had to put boundaries on our time. And I'm just going to leave it there. When you do this and you set a really intentional holiday for yourself, the holidays can be absolutely magical. And that's what I want for you. I want you to have time to pause. And I want you to have magic in your life. Until next time, keep on keeping on. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.